You're on with Barbara. Hey, 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 it's me, Barbara Corcoran, and this is 888-BARBARA. Hey, we're talking about what's on everybody's mind today, the coronavirus. A lot of us are packing to go home to work, canceling business travel, personal travel. A lot of us don't know how to protect ourselves and our family. So we're going to go from soup to nuts. How do you deal with it in the business that you're running or the business that you're working? What's the best course of action? And how do you protect your loved ones? And we're even going to hear from Dr. Oz, who knows everything about the virus. And he's going to tell us truth or fiction, what's the most important things to believe and what you shouldn't believe. What's hogwash out there? So stay with us and get the scoop on everything you need to know about the coronavirus. So many people are working at home to get through this coronavirus. And I, too, have all my people headed home as of tomorrow morning. But let me tell you something. I want to make sure that my people have a safe place to work and they're less susceptible to the coronavirus. But I'm a businesswoman. I want to make sure that they're going to work their buns off when they're at home. Let me share with you some of the changes I'm making here at work when all my staff goes home tomorrow to start their work because I don't want to maintain business. I want to grow business. And so this is what we've all worked out as a team, and I'm hoping it's going to be beneficial to you if you're in that same position right now thinking of working at home. Number one, I've insisted already Everyone tell me, what workspace do you have? What are you actually going to set up as your workspace? I just don't want anybody sitting on their bed in the corner of their room and attending to my affairs. Call me crazy if you want, but I want to know that there is actually a work zone that they could actually make their own where they're going to work, or I'm not letting them go home. Well, guess what? Everybody's come up with a work zone. We're living here in Manhattan. Most people are living in small apartments, so it doesn't have to be a room. We don't have that kind of luxury. What it has to be is a little setup where it's away from your bed and away from where you eat so that you see it as a work zone, a spot you can work. So your boss might not be asking you about what your work zone is at home or what's your separate space, but let me tell you, if you want to be productive, you establish it for yourself. Number two. I think you have to ask, secondly, what tools do you need at home? I found out yesterday in meeting with my gang that they all needed a printer, so we ordered them on Amazon. A printer at home so you could churn out the paperwork to look at it as you need it. So inexpensive, but so productive. You might need high-speed internet. You might need a charger. You might need special photography equipment, what have you. But whatever you use in your day-to-day work in the office is exactly what you should have at home, or you're not going to be as productive. Number three, you have to figure out a system to keep camaraderie going, and it's not so easy when you're working alone. When I sold my big business, the Corcoran Group, and started working at home on my own, that's the part that I miss the most. You know, when I couldn't collaborate with my workers daily, in and out, in and out, constantly, I wasn't productive and I wasn't happy. So how do you create that at home? Well, here's what my team came up with, and I love them for it. It makes so much sense. Every day at 10 o'clock, the different team members that work on projects together are going to speak with each other. Preset, 10 o'clock every day. When they work through the day and come up with other items that they need help with, that they need to join hands with someone else on, they're going to throw it into a basket called the agenda, and that's going to be the agenda for the next 10 o'clock meeting. 
It doesn't have to be long, probably 20 minutes, but you get to talk to human being. You get to laugh about what went wrong. You get to feel like the continued member of a family. Believe me, you can't leave that important ingredient out. The last piece is the best news of all. Here's a chance to work for yourself. See what that feels like. If you're an early riser, you like to get up at 6, start your workday at 6 o'clock. End it at 4 o'clock. Go to the gym. Whatever you want to do, you're the boss. What an opportunity to see how accountable you could make yourself to yourself and how much you could accomplish. Your boss is trusting you. That's the easy part. The hard part is can you learn to trust yourself? Here's a test. You're working for yourself. Let's see how productive and consistent you can become. Okay, now let's shift gears a little bit. Everybody's talking about the coronavirus. I just couldn't end today without hearing from the guy who knows more than anybody else out there in the universe, the wonderful Dr. Oz. We're going to get him online in a minute. Stay with us. We're going to ask him truth or fiction of the most common things that we're all believing about this virus and how to keep ourselves safe and keep our loved ones safe too. Listen to Dr. Oz. I'm going to get the truth out. So, Dr. Oz, so nice of you to be here today. You are an absolute sweetheart. We're trying to clarify some of the myths, truth or fiction, on a lot of things that people are saying you should and shouldn't do. If anyone knows the answer, it's you. So the first well, one is the virus cannot get through a face mask. I have heard this myself over and over again by my own family members. Is there truth in that? So many people are walking around with those face masks. It depends what kind of face masks you're talking about. If you use a face mask like the kind I wear in the operating room, it's designed to protect the patient from me, not vice versa. So if I cough in the operating room, my saliva and bacteria will not get in the wound, but it's not gonna prevent virus particles, which are much finer and smaller from getting through the mask into me. Those are a waste of money, waste of time. The N95 masks that are fastened on your chin and up on your, just below your eyes and have a little band for your nose, if they're fitted correctly and you don't have facial hair, they will work. The actual material itself is just the right level of fineness. However, we don't have enough of them. And most people have not been fitted because it takes 15 minutes to do it. You've got to do it with an expert. So the physicians all have had it done because we needed to go to to get through that process in order to have masks for the ICUs and the places, the isolation places in the hospital. But for the vast majority of the people at home, it's a worthless investment. So wow. let the health users get those masks. It keeps us safe enough that we can take care of the really ill members of society. You're doing something altruistic. I know you could probably hoard it and use it yourself, but it's better to let the rest of the health system progress and prosper with adequate protection. The weak link in coronavirus are the hospitals. If the doctors and nurses get sick, if the hospitals become infested with coronavirus, that's what's going on in Italy, we believe, which is why their mortality rate is so high. Is there any alternative to protect ourselves in some regard that makes us feel better, at least, that we're making an effort? Well, if you really want to make a difference and drop in half the chance of developing coronavirus, wash your hands. It is a remarkably impactful, inexpensive, takes 20 seconds. And you have to wash your hands the way a surgeon does, which means your fingers are what matter. So you don't just go like this. You actually twist like this, put your hands inside of each other. Then you individually in the tips of the fingers. And when you do that, you actually end up with fingertips that don't contaminate your eyes. We also have breaking news that the virus particles we now know live 48 hours 
tables, metals, plastics. So the person who's riding the subway today will be touching something if they're infected that tomorrow when you're riding the subway at rush hour, you might catch. Washing hands becomes an incredibly important part of the process. A lukewarm or warm water would be great. You get a moisturizer so you don't get cracks in your fingers because you'll be washing a lot. And just stop touching stuff. As physical as we are with each other, a handshake will transmit 10 times more bacteria than a fist bump. What about wearing gloves? That's the next one on my list. Is it true that if you wear gloves, you protect yourself against a lot of the bacteria that's out there? If you wear gloves and discard them right after you've been exposed, yes. So if you're in the mm. subway, it makes sense. But if you're wearing gloves all day long, you're just going to touch those gloves to your eyes and your nose and your lips. So what's the point? So gloves for very finite periods of time, primarily to avoid contaminating yourself when many others have touched the same surfaces and then get them off your hands and throw them away. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have two friends who said they're moving to Miami because the weather is hot and the virus won't grow there. Is there any truth in that? There is truth in that. The virus particles do not like warm and especially humid weather. They plump up. Uh, they don't travel as far. So instead of traveling six feet between us, it only travels a foot or two and this doesn't survive as well. Uh, as when it's cold weather. Plus, in warm weather, people aren't confined to small air quite as much. When you're outside, the warm weather will slow down the progression of this coronavirus season as the warm hits the northern latitudes. In the meantime, if you want to go to Florida, please be be welcome, but you're not completely immune. People can still get the virus there. It's very contagious. Mm -hmm. So if you're someone who's over the age of 60 with issues like uh, cardiovascular disease or high blood pressure or diabetes, you start to be careful. Mm-hmm. And the last one here, a plane is the most dangerous place to be. I thought that air was filtered. I don't think that's true. The air in the plane is brought in 50% from outside the plane. Well, that's clean. At 35,000 feet, there's no, there's no viruses. And the air from inside the plane is recirculated through HEPA filters, which clear out 99 plus percent of all the air. So if you turn that nozzle above your head on and blow air towards your face, or your chest, you'll wash away the the potential of germs from the people on either side of you and the rows in front and behind you. That's the germ zone. One little tip, get over by the window, stay out of the aisle. You are not a believer that taking a plane trip is going to be hurtful? If I was, and I am young enough and healthy enough that I feel safe, I'm going to travel. I'm going to get on plane, but continue to live my life. I'm not taking these you know, big long distance vacations, but for a trip to visit family I'll, I'll, I'll or an important business trip, I'll get on planes. If I 70 years old with diabetes, hypertension, and, and a, some past coronary vascular disease, I would not get on a plane because that's the, where the mortality rate jumps from 200,000, 300,000, which is just a little bit more than traditional flu, yes. to 10 or 20 times that much. And that's too much for me. One more. Should you have two weeks worth of toilet paper and groceries? Everybody is proposing that. Well, I wouldn't buy single ply toilet paper if you're running low, but if you can buy double-ply comfortable toilet paper is not a bad idea because if you get sick, mm-hmm. you're going to want to quarantine. Social distancing is the most powerful tool we have against this virus until we develop better medical solutions and a vaccine. So if you were to come down with a fever, which is the most common symptom, and a dry cough present in just over half the people, especially if you're just worn out, fatigued, you're going to want to go to home by yourself, say, honey, I'm not coming out for two weeks. You're going to bring me food every day, leave it outside the door. I need toilet paper, magazines, games, I stuff to watch. I need to stay busy for two weeks so I'll get depressed, but I'm not coming out of here ideally until I'm completely free of the virus. I just did some shows today around the incubation period, mm-hmm. and there are some 
where the virus will keep coming out of you for much longer than two weeks. So being away from people you care about in order to protect them. Could I walk around feeling perfectly fine and still have the virus and be spreading it with my family? Or does everyone get the symptoms? There are people who are free of symptoms who don't even realize they're ill, certainly early in the course of the illness, you could be secreting virus particles, infecting people, not know you're ill. The people who have been diagnosed with coronavirus, the vast majority have had a fever. So most of the time you'll get a fever, but it might not be that obvious to you. You might be, you know, get chills one night, Mm -hmm. get up in the morning, reasonable. By the next day, you're over it. You think maybe you had food poisoning, but in fact, you had coronavirus. That's why 80% of people, the symptoms are subtle enough that you don't know if you're infectious. So prophylactically, You want to be especially careful about touching people who are older and frail. Okay, got it. Terrific tips. Thanks so much, Dr. Oz. God bless you. Good luck with what you're doing. God bless you back. If you're wondering how the coronavirus is affecting business, you might want to hop over to my other podcast, Business Unusual. I'm going to be talking to callers whose work have been affected by the virus and what smart things they can do about it. So hop on over to my Business Unusual podcast and listen in. That's all the questions we have time for today. I hope you found the advice helpful. Have an idea for a great guest? Come on, give it to me. Tweet me at Barbara Corcoran using the hashtag 888Barbara and keep those questions coming into the 888Barbara hotline. You can subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't be coy. Leave a review for the show at Apple Podcasts and keep the party going on. We'll see you next time. 888 Barber is produced by Sandy Smolens for Audiation. And Lila Mann is our executive producer. Audiation.